So, Robin, you have how many? Yes. How long have you been watching Melrose? In the like, did you finish a rewatch? I'm not finished a rewatch. It is seven seasons, and back in the day, they, there's 31 episodes per season. Oh man! If you can believe it, so it's a lot. I started a couple months ago, so I'm in the middle of season five. Okay. And watching it when it, when the first time around it debuted in 1992, I only watched like the first two and a half seasons. I had this idea that I had watched the whole thing, but only I watched a very small part. So a lot of it is new to me now. Cool. Um, which is interesting. How much have you watched? Either the first time around or this time around. Yeah, so it's interesting. I did not watch Beverly Hills 90210 when it was on. I obviously knew about it. I don't know. That wasn't my jam at that time. But I thought, oh, Melrose Place actually looks better. 20-somethings. Yes. I think I watched season one, but it just got a little soapier. And I somehow, I think I just got busy and it fell off my radar. So So it's interesting you said it because... Something I love about the show is that you can see the sort of behind the scenes production very clearly. I'm not even talking physically. I'm talking about when they decided to shift the show, when a character was, you know, they're they're teeing them up to leave the show. If actors didn't get along, they would unpair them and just pair them with someone else. So that's something that I really love about it. That's what I think makes it really soapy. And I kind of consider this like the second wave of like nighttime soaps like the first was like your dynasty in your dallas and then this kind of kind of died down but this they brought it back and this is actually a spin-off of beverly hills Nanatuno. and how if you remember how they spun it off is in Nanatuno when kelly taylor was a senior in high school so 17 she started dating jake who was like god like 26 at the time oh man he was a handyman and they were together and then he so jake played by the amazing Grant show, they were dating and then it turned out it didn't work out because they were from different worlds. Um, also, <laughs> it was illegal, but they didn't really. <laughs> and the first season, it was it, it sort of started to be like issues of hip 20-somethings living in Los Angeles and each episode would sort of have an arc. But then very clearly that wasn't working and they brought on uh, Heather Locklear, who we are so blessed for her. <laughs> And kind of this this turn into more serial plot lines, into more sort of the the soap opera trope. She wore like amazing pants suit skirt suits that were really short. She was like a this like proto feminist advertising executive. Remember when that was like the cool job? Yeah. Of the nineties, like I work as an advertising executive, and it just sort of quickly went into farce almost. Here I'll I'll set up some background for Carrie and others. <laughs> Thank so. You. Dr. Michael Mancini was married to Jane. They all lived in this apartment together. He cheated with Marsha Cross, who played Kimberly Shaw. You might know who Marsha Cross is. Mm-hmm. Also amazing. They had an affair. Finally, they're together. Dr. Mancini got drunk and she was in the car and there was a bad accident. She went into coma and supposedly died. Okay, a couple episodes later, Kimberly's alive. She comes back and... <sighs> There's a very iconic moment, and then you've probably seen gifs of it, where we think Kimberly's okay, but she goes into the bathroom and take, and turns out she's wearing a wig, and she has a huge scar from brain surgery. And then from then, Kimberly not only tries to murder Michael, she tries to murder Sydney, another character. She literally plants homemade bombs in Melrose Place and blows up the complex. 
But soon is forgiven and she's back with Michael. And then right now there's a plot where she has a tumor and she's dying. Like they forget very quickly about who's trying to murder who. <laughs> there is unfortunately a lot of rape plot lines. Probably all of the women on the show have been either raped or someone has attempted to rape them. And I'm smiling when I say this because it's so uncomfortable. I'm not laughing at it, but it's just that was the soap trope, right? Yeah. The funny thing is, is that they all live in this complex. They live in L.A. and they have no other friends. They're <laughs> only allowed to hang out with the people in the apartment. They're constantly changing apartments. Like someone moves out and then someone moves into another apartment. Jake has been with every woman on the series and I think has been engaged to like three of them. So it's it's frustrating, but kind of funny and kind of like a wink at the camera at the same time when all of this happens oh wow gosh that is wilder than i than i remember well and you mentioned um heather locklear as being kind of a turning point in the show and yeah and how kind of in certain ways aspirational she is but are you is she portrayed as being a good person like are we supposed to want to root for her or is she a little bit of like an anti-heroine at the beginning, she's an anti-heroine because she steals Billy from Allison and Billy and Allison were like the, the like supposed to be like the perfect couple. They were platonic roommates. Billy answered an ad and Allison was like, oh, my God, a boy roommate. <laughs> um, and then they that was like the big scandal. And then he started dating Amanda. And she got pregnant, but had a miscarriage. Oh, lots of miscarriages, lots of pregnancies and miscarriages. Um mm -hmm. I just watched an episode. It's like, God, then it's so 90s in that, God forbid, a character ever even considers an abortion. So if someone's pregnant, they fix that by giving them a miscarriage. And actually, the episode I'm watching, Allison skipped five episodes, five seasons later. She's already been married and widowed is now pregnant by Jake. And she didn't want the baby. But then when she heard the heartbeat, she was like, oh, it's a it's alive it's part of me you know that whole which is really bad for that whole narrative of like you know once you hear the heartbeat once you know it's alive you can't kill your baby so that's um that's one of the the <laughs> interesting 90s things there is a gay character matt um who ended up leaving the show because he didn't like um the stories his character had which I don't blame him because since it's the 90s and he's gay he doesn't have any gay friends even though they're in Los Angeles he whenever he has a relationship he can't kiss them they can only do like a bro hug <laughs> um he is either there's one uh, he ends up working in the same hospital that Dr. Mancini and Dr. Burns do because they have to you know they have to get them all in the same workplace he is seduced by another doctor for the purpose of framing him for his wife's murder. Also, another thing is that many people have been framed for murder. <laughs> That's an, like, they forget that they've already done. It's like the writers change. Like at one point, Michael was paralyzed. And so he had to move back in with his ex-wife to be taken care of. Two seasons later, she gets paralyzed by her, uh, her drink being spiked and she has to live with him. And I'm like, did they, do they remember <laughs> they've done this because the characters don't even mention they should be like hey isn't it weird that we're in this situation again so it's what else can i say what else can i say i feel like i haven't i haven't adequately well and and 
some parts are really like with all this happening some parts are really boring like there's just boring stuff that happens oh interesting well you mentioned that there's 30 some episodes in each season and i wonder would this have been a better show if they had like either even just 22 episodes a season or, or 13 like they could have kept it a little tighter and some of that boring stuff might have might have filtered out do you think that would have made it better no i think you need it because it's just like the mundane is part of it in a way in the way that kind of soap operas that's kind of the pleasure in them right it's more the not necessarily the plot but it's like the emotional connections they do a lot of the emotional playouts like something happens and they'll stay on the character oh um you know with the emotions it kind of things that when soap operas were considered just low culture, kind of the things that it got criticized for. And then like sort of as we have come to appreciate them as part of like feminized culture, I think it's the emotional things that is kind of at the heart of the show. Like everybody's emotional. Everybody lies to each other all the time, which I don't know about YouTube, but like as I'm getting older, I hate, I can't watch that. Like it just, people being dishonest with each other, like, and everybody's cheating. Like it actually makes me physically uncomfortable. Um, so there's a lot of cheating on people, a lot of like, oh, I just saw you with this person and I think you're dating them. And if they only listened for two minutes, they would find out it wasn't the case, but there's a lot of like misinterpretations. Um, so yes, please, (laughs) (laughs) please interrupt. So someone who has not seen this and is just going off of what you've told me, and if you don't like the things like they're lying to each other, they're cheating on each other, all this stuff, what exactly <laughs> is the draw here? <laughs> well, the draw probably back then is that they're 20 somethings living in off Melrose, literally in like the Melrose neighborhood. So, like, as a teen, that's aspirational, right? Like, I don't know about you, right. but I was obsessed yeah. with like. 20 somethings living on their own and kind of like the that's why I like the real world as well yeah yeah um the as a viewer now what as a viewer oh, now what, um as what's a viewer gonna get now, me invested in 30 episodes it goes down easy okay um you know the characters a lot of um storylines are really drawn out like the same things keep happening like I don't trust you okay I trust you now we're fighting again um, you know, it's almost like, you know, what's going to happen and you know, the pattern. Mm-hmm. And just when you get sick of the pattern, the pattern gets broken. And like somebody, you know, there's like a big, uh, sort of change. There's also, you know, like Allison, who's played by Courtney Thorne Smith is supposed to be like the girl next door and kind of the, the cypher character. She is just the worst. She's whiny. <laughs> she... She just doesn't ever, like, she's like Eeyore. I stole that from another podcast, but she just, like, everything (laughs) happens to her and she complains. Um, She's not good at her job. She, you know, she'll get a boyfriend and then be absent and then be like, Amanda, you're so mean to me. When Amanda's like, I just want you to do your job. (laughs) So, but then there's Sydney, which is Jane's um, younger sister, played by Laura Layton, who is fantastic. And she gets into all sort of trouble. Like, she gets she accidentally becomes a call girl she gets <laughs> wait, wait, recruited wait, into wait. a cult she what <laughs> how do you accidentally become a call girl so this is another very 90s trope that i realized is that like she met this person she met this woman who's like oh 
you're down on your luck. You're gorgeous. I have a guy that I can set you up with. And she's like, okay. And then they go on the date and it's like an older gentleman and they have a wonderful time. And at the end he gives her money and she's like, wait, what? And he says, well, I th- I'm sorry. I thought you understood this, what it was. She'll be like, no, and run out. And then she'll go back to the madam and the madam will be like, what's the big deal? It's just dates. And she kind of like, that's the way I've seen that happen. God, at least in like four lifetime movies. <laughs> um, so sh- that the, um, to the surprise of no one, the show is very, not very pro sex worker because there's another storyline where Michael Mancini ends up falling in love with the call girl and like at all costs has to get her out of the business when she's doing pretty well. Like she kind of like manages her own clients. It's all, you know, vetted. And I was like, why are you taking this away from her? She has, <laughs> you know, she seems to like it, but yeah. it's just that like, it, it's just that very like, no, at all costs, you know, sex work is, is bad and it's shaming. Um, and this was on, this was on Fox, right? So it's it's not only it's the '90s, so we're dealing with with a different time, and we're also dealing with even though Fox was even at that time kind of not as big of a network, but it was still network broadcast TV. So there's there's probably certain things that weren't going to ever be super groundbreaking. I remember I did a yeah. re- I did a watch of all of Party of Five not too long ago, which was also a '90s yeah. Fox show, and they would. This similar pattern where you'd get to like almost something edgy and then they would they would chicken out you know yeah so they could yeah. show something but they had to show it having quote-unquote consequences so yeah yeah they have sex on the show but it's always like they'll kiss and then fade to black and wake up the next day they're this is the other thing that gets me is that like as soon as someone has sex they go to sleep like <laughs> is that like that's a very tv thing right like nobody yeah. Is like, okay, I guess we're having sex. I guess that means you stay over. And we only have sex in the bed at night. It's like nobody has sex and then is like, well, it's the, you know, it, it's just, it's just kind of funny to me. And yeah, they never show it. There was an insinuation of a blowjob in the latest episode. And I was like, oh my God, edgy. <laughs> um, because they don't, you know, they don't talk about that. But um, now, are all the characters white? Yes. There was a black woman character on the show in the first season, Rhonda. Oh, yeah. Played by Vanessa Williams, the original Vanessa Williams. The yeah. reason that Vanessa Williams had to be Vanessa L. Williams. And she was a cardio funk instructor. Oh. And they just wrote her off the show. They wrote her off the show. They wrote um, this other character, Sandy, off the show. Um, and I guess that was part of the reworking right when they brought Heather Locklear on. I don't, it, it, it's a real shame. Uh, for many reasons. One is Rhonda and Matt were kind of like, they were best friends, of course, the gay guy and the woman of color. But they had a good dynamic going. And yeah, I guess there was not really much for her to go anywhere. And they wanted to change it. But after that, um, there's like maybe a side character who's a person of color. But no, it's definitely um, a very white cast and white world they're living in. That's really interesting. That's yeah. So you've got LA 20 somethings in the nineties with no people of color and only one gay person. And it's a guy I know living off Melrose, which is like supposed to, Oh, and then the B roll at the beginning of every show, um, always zeroes in on like eclectic looking people like punks or like a close up of doc Martens. Like it's supposed to be like this bohemian, 
you know, world. And then they go to, I mean, the fashion is obviously amazing and awful because it's the nineties. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's not a lot of like show business stuff. And you would think that for a show about people in Los Angeles, like at least some of them would be aspiring, you know, but, but none of them are They're They're in advertising. They're a doctor, um, fashion designer, another very nineties job. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. it's a lot less. Well, yeah. I mean, at the beginning of season one, it felt a little, not realistic, but a little more like expect that what you would expect that environment. Well, they to tried. Be. Yeah. They tried. And then they clearly and no one just, wanted to see this. Yeah. yeah. They just threw that out the window. So that's interesting. Can I talk about Andrew Shue? Do you remember Andrew Shue? Yeah. Shue? Yeah, I do. He was pretty He cute. is Okay, have you seen him? Have you rewatched it? Because I thought so too when I was younger. Yeah. And, no. you know, taste change. He is literally the worst actor I've ever seen. And, like, oh. I wonder why nobody <laughs> has. Like, did they get a coach on set? Did they do another take? Because his acting is so bad and so flat and it never gets better. Well, and it's funny um, because he's uh, Elizabeth Shue's brother and she's an I know. Academy Award winner. I know. Yeah. It's. He had like very '90s body, like like no hair and abs, and I think that was kind of like the, I don't know, the draw. But he, so he's the one that in the first episode he moves in with Allison because she needs a roommate, and they kind of have this like weird sexual tension. He is um, a writer, and he fails upward through the whole series. Like I've never <laughs> seen somebody fail upward. Like he gets a, he lies to get a job at a magazine, and then. They find out he lies, but they keep him on. He complains when they're when he's asked to do work, a story <laughs> he doesn't want to write. And then he eventually gets a job. Um, Amanda gives him a job at the advertising agency writing copy. And he just is, I mean, I don't know if it's like a slacker Generation X, but like none of the people are very, like not a lot of them have hustle. You know, like today you would see a show and they're all about, you know, like, getting their side business or getting famous. It's just this weird, like nobody, I mean, Amanda has ambition, but that scene is a bad thing, right? That makes yeah. her cold and unfeeling. So it's a very interesting aesthetic. I mean, whatever they want to do, like Jane was like, I like sewing. Oh, I'm going to open my new boutique. And it's like immediately a success. Like there's <laughs> this, this, yeah, like this weird. And then, Amanda hires and fires people all the time. And then at the hospital, uh, Peter and Michael are doctors, but I don't know of what, because they do heart surgery, but they also do emergency surgery. Like anytime something happens, they are the doctor. And I'm like, don't you have a specialty? Like, I don't, <laughs> I mean, I guess I asked that now. Nobody asked it then. Um, well, and it's it's interesting that you mentioned Gen X slackerdom because I mean, even though this was a this was an Aaron Spelling production, he created it and stuff. But Darren Star, who yeah. I think Darren went Star, on to, yeah. to Sex in the City, um, he was the showrunner and kind of behind a lot of this. And you know, he at the time would have been um, a little bit older. Like he's fifty eight now, which means is he like not quite a baby boomer or sort of in that older yeah. Gen X group. At the end of, yeah, exactly. So being able to relate to young Gen X, because they would have been supposed to be cl closer to the tail end of Gen X, um, 
that is a generational thing. So you've got this false thing of like the people writing about these young people are actually much older and they're not quite capturing the zeitgeist of the real like if you watch the real world, that's a much better yeah. example of Gen X life, the early seasons of the real world. Um, and those kids had hustle. They were like doing a lot of stuff and yeah, and struggling. These people are corny. Like they say the corniest stuff, like a young, <laughs> like an older person writing something for like none of them are funny. Yeah. You know, they talk only. It's very insular. They talk. They make no mention to the outside world. It's like they live in this capsule world, which only consists of their apartment, the hospital, the one bar they always go to called Shooters, Mm -hmm. and maybe someone else's house. And that's obviously because of production, right? Like they can only have a certain amount of sets. But it's interesting how that limits what they do. And then at some point, Jake buys the bar and owns the bar. Like it's a very... Like the way that they transfer them through through jobs and housing is very glaring now where, you know, here somebody would kind of take care. But they're like, oh, we just need to move them. Just make them, you know, move them. Just give them a new job. <laughs> We're done. You know, we just we need these people to interact. So they all need to work together. So somehow now Allison, Billy and 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 at first Heather Locklear lived in Marina Del Rey, but then she bought the building Oh. So she could be in there and be the landlord. Like, it's very, like, and I want to say, and this is what I was going to say. I think, Carrie, to answer your question from, like, 10 years ago, <laughs> the reason I like it and the re- and, and I didn't really understand this until now is that when you have that insular feeling of, like, a serial soap opera, everybody's important at all times. Like, they mm-hmm. have this small world where they, whatever their drama is going through, they're going through, it is paramount within that group. Like, does that make sense? I mean, every, you know, it's a small pool, you know, in LA, in a big city, you could just get lost. But like, anytime somebody has drama, it's like at the forefront. If they bring on a guest character, that person, it's like their life was non-existent and they just sort of like appeared to be a certain thing in somebody's life so it was very like almost I don't know like aspirational like of course everybody wants to have like be like a big fish in their pond and have like everybody care what's going on and everybody kind of want to know what's going on in the few times that they tried to move out of the complex like they would either move back like Allison tried to move out but then her apartment caught fire so she had to move back in so, you know, there's always, yeah, so I, I think that's kind of what any sort of soap opera really appeals is that everybody is super important to everything. And I guess that's kind of aspirational, right? Like, as a teenager, I felt invisible. And maybe I do now sometimes, who knows, you know, and just having that feeling, I think, is what makes me love soap operas. And I will say, I mentioned it before, but I think it's the same reason I like the Dynasty reboot. Mm-hmm that's going on now which is actually really good and like not not nostalgically good but like legit good cool well and i think there is something to be said for um current in the current situation binge watching a show that has a lot of episodes 
and something that does whatever the comfort feeling is, something that provides that comfort. I was just listening to an interview with Samantha B that she is currently yeah. binge watching Lost right now with her family while they're Ooh, all I imagine quarantine. how that must feel. Yeah. 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 And so it's a similar thing where it's something where her whole family is watching it. There's a ton of episodes and they never watched it before. And it's just like weirdly comforting and ritualistic. And so yeah. binge watching anything right now, if it provides some level of comfort and is long, long running, you've got built in good entertainment for a while. So yeah. And I mean, something that's so silly where the stakes are relatively low is comforting right now, right? Because because everything is horrible when you stop watching TV. So. Oh, I don't want to watch yeah. any prestige TV right now. Like I started yeah. watching The Sopranos and I was like, I can't, I don't want to. Like I, I don't upsetting. want to think about anything. I don't want anything that resembles our current world. Yeah. Yeah. I read it for a book club. I read a, a really intense murder mystery novel, not too long after quarantine started and i was like i hate this thing this was way too stressful and upsetting (laughs) i picked up a book about a nationwide plague and i was like nope (laughs) nope not right now yeah not right now um two other quick things i took note i just wanted to mention um one is another thing is that they always find parking in front of their building (laughs) (laughs) what else oh this is another thing that i think is a very soap opera thing is if somebody's mad or like having a hard time, like you'll see somebody will come up and knock on their apartment and they'll show the person inside just sort of sitting in the dark. Like what? <laughs> what? Like that's not right. Like when I'm depressed, I'll be like watching, you know what I mean? Like you have to have something on. You're like distracting yourself. Or yeah. just like, but they're sort of like, I'm so upset that I'm going to be just sitting here hugging a pillow, or like <laughs> looking out the window. It's like, I'm like, who, is that a 90s thing? Because we didn't have so much to enter. Like, we didn't have podcasts and streaming TV. Did we just No, there was sit? always, there was, no, because I remember, I remember being like in college and watching television, being on the computer, yeah. talking to people on the phone. Like, there was stuff to do, trust me. Even when you're depressed, you do it more, right? Yeah, or even pick a book up, read, pretend to read a book yeah, or a exactly. magazine. Like, so, that's very unrealistic. So that's something that happens. <laughs> the other thing I want to say is, I want to talk about, can, is there still time to talk? Because oh, I want sure. to talk about Jack Wagner. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Who, well, again, came on the show at first, was like the chief of staff at the hospital, immediately met Amanda, was like, you, me, we need to be together. We're both hot and powerful. <laughs> and then something happened. Oh, she had non-something, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Is that a thing? Yes. That's what she was diagnosed yeah, that's with. A, that's real. She had it for about two weeks. And then um, something happened where she, oh, Matt faked some records on Michael's medical records to make sure he didn't get caught for drunk drive. Whatever. Anyway, it turns out Amanda found out something about Peter that would ruin his career. He tried to give her, um, he he knocked her out and tried to give her emergency appendectomy to kill her. (laughs) What? And then he went away. And then like a season later, he came back somehow got like a makeover and she's like oh actually i like you now and they're actually married (laughs) and it so it it, that happens a lot like people try to straight up murder someone and then they're like friends again kimberly um paid people to enact a hate crime on matt at one point um but then he forgave her yeah it's it's everybody stalked uh, everybody's like you know attacked 
Um, what else? Oh, the thing I was going to say is, okay, so Jack Wagner and Thomas Calabro, they play the two doctors and they're in a practice. Mm-hmm. And they're like super macho. They're like the super macho ones and like horny as hell, blah, blah, blah. It's supposed to be macho. Watching it now, I actually think they're kind of hilarious and a little bit of a parody because they get yanked around by their all the time using <laughs> language because, because of that like they get manipulated so easily like if someone tries to seduce them that i think it's maybe in some way subversive oh, i don't know if i should give them that much credit probably but... a little bit i mean again considering darren star i think that yeah i could see him deliberately playing with that and i wonder if there was a lot of slash fic back in the day about those two. Oh, oh, <laughs> i'm gonna write some now um but they are but as much as a cheesy show, like some of the actors are just like giving it their all and they're wonderful to watch. Oh, like, cool. I think, again, when you assume like a soap opera, like it's just so bad. But no, Thomas, I- I'm surprised he hasn't gotten more work because he's like, he's just really like lovable in a way. And, um, and I think Jack Wagner and Heather Locklear were dating because they have really good chemistry. Yeah, I think they got married um, later. And I think it's also screen, pretty telling yeah. that Heather Locklear, when, when Melrose ended, she went and did Spin City after that. And I remember she was good on there. And so she goes from this to like pretty decent sitcom comedy. And she's I think she's funny. She's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's there's something to say that this that Melrose was a little bit of a a ground to transition from drama to comedy. <laughs> well, I mean, she gives a lot of good, like, one-liners. Like, she's so mean. She's, like, I mean, she basically is a workplace bully to Allison. But, <laughs> I mean, she gives these great one-liners. Like, when everybody wants her, she's, like, not a chance. Or, like, she's, like, go go take a, remember, take a cold shower. Yeah. Like, another 90s thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that you would say a lot. I don't know. I want to, I feel like I want to talk about every plot. I won't. Um, there's very, it's very sexist and gross. Like, you know, Billy's always like, oh, that's girl talk. I don't want to talk about that or go do your girly things or, um, you know, Billy's very almost like proto incel where like a woman doesn't want to date him. He gets really mad and like really aggressive about it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, you don't want to date me, but I'm going to make you want me. It's so interesting that I really did like him back in the day. And I, again, to kind of like pair this with Party of Five, I used to really like Scott Wolf. And watching it as an adult, I was like, oh my gosh, his character is horrible. And he does a lot of that manipulative guy stuff and is really sexist and awful to all of his girlfriends and his sisters. So yeah, it's it's really interesting how, how what we thought of as like the quote unquote sensitive man in the 90s is garbage (laughs) really it he really is because he's supposed to be like the nice guy yeah there's a couple other oh rob estes and lisa rinna are on later seasons so rob estes plays it he was on the show in the first and second season he came back as a completely different character (laughs) (laughs) i mean they just are like yeah no one will notice i guess oh there's uh, oh god poor daphne zuniga her character got dragged through the worst storylines where she ended up dating this guy and got pregnant by him but then he tried to kill her because he was a drug runner and that was the baby that kimberly ended up um stealing so she left she left like at season three 
um, you can tell when a, a character starts having like a really bad time or like just something really horrible happening. It's like, oh, their contract's running out because. Well, she's in the documentary misrepresentation that I show to women's studies students and discuss the fact that they thought she was getting too old and too fat to be on the show anymore. So that is interesting oh, wow. because she did. It, it, she does visibly gain weight now of course tv gain weight she's still like perfect i mean mm -hmm. she's gorgeous to begin with but that's interesting because i could tell the way they were dressing her was like oh. hi we'd like you to wear a tent yeah. you know because god forbid anybody that that is really interesting and i and she probably i, I think mean, she got beat up like three three different guys literally like beat her up oh man she was running from an abusive husband jake who's an abuser Ugh. <laughs> Um, and then Jake's brother, played by Dan Cortez. Ooh, Dan Cortez. Who's a bad actor, beat her up, and then Jake ends up murdering him. But get, you know, self-defense. Just another murder. Just another murder. But oh my gosh. there is something comforting about formulaic storylines and cyclical storylines. And I think things like romance novels, daytime soap operas, all these things are reality shows are popular because there is a certain level of... Um, familiarity and then yeah when they do subvert it it's exciting so yeah it's like they it's like edging right like they'll get you right to where like you're almost bored mm -hmm. and then something changes yeah. and i i don't know like you and i have talked about sometimes we want to watch shows where people just like do menial tasks like yeah. i just want to watch jane run her store like i want to watch amanda pitch advertisements yeah i, mean, I just yeah, i kind of want that steady i mean they're an ad agency. The the pitches that they make are so stupid. <laughs> it's not. There's no Mad Men brilliance going on. on no, this. no. And I don't know if that was good at the time. Like, I don't know. Was this? Were they serious at the time? Like, did people take this seriously? Because it's a lot of. You know what? I think that squish and like. Yeah. Cringe. No, I think at the time it was considered campy. Um, because like, okay, a prestige drama from the 90s would have been something like My So-Called Life, which is completely... Cringy. Well, it's completely different in tone. And yeah. it's supposed to be taken a little bit more earnestly. Um, yeah. But Beverly Hills 90210 and, and Melrose Place were not meant to be serious dramas. And I don't think they were ever taken that way. Um, like there were a lot of things that you could watch now and be like, okay, well, they're... The, the time is different, but they're not cringy. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I don't think that Melrose was ever taking itself seriously. I guess I'm saying the parts that shouldn't be cringy are cringy. Oh, that's interesting. You know, it's like the little details of like, like, oh, we're, you know, we're at a pitch or I'm going to go out to this club, mm -hmm. but the club is cringy. Whereas like the main things like somebody getting blown up or in a car accident, like are over the top and should be. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. These people, they're just, they don't feel aspirational aside from being like really skinny and really beautiful because they're on TV. That's kind of like the capital that they hold. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm, yeah, I, we could probably keep talking about this forever, but thank yeah. you so much. I, and where, where is this streaming right now? I assume you're watching it streaming. Hulu. Hulu? Okay. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I feel again. I say this every time. I feel like I've just. I hope I've painted a picture of the show. Oh, you have. <laughs> to I people have like I. I lot. mean, because I. It's a lot to cover in five seasons. Oh, I also want to say the last season, Alyssa Milano was on it, but I've yet to see her come. Oh, okay. Up. And Rena Sofer, and Jamie Lunar. So all like soap opera 
royalty. Yeah, 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 yeah. That must have been right before Charmed, actually, for yeah. Alyssa. That's cool. Okay. Um, and Jack Wagner, I haven't seen him recently, but love Jack Wagner. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And um, for our listeners, where can they find you on social media? Oh, it's Robin H H H H H. It's Robin with five H's. I don't know why I did that. It just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Thank you so much. And I'm sure. Uh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I hope that was that you, that you can edit something. Yes. Into that. <laughs> we'll do our best. We will. 